somebody said to me just not too long ago, John, just make sure you're winning every day. Make sure you're moving forward. It doesn't mean you're going to achieve what your ultimate goals are. But for complex social change and social goals, that journey needs to be, you know, one that is one every day. Coming to college from the Roxbury neighborhood of Boston, John Barrows tried to become the best version of himself, figuring law school could help him further hone his worldview and best way to be of service. Service came looking for him, though, in the form of a call from home. Find out how returning to what you know and being comfortable with playing the long game can set you up to make true impact just when home seems ready for you on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. Today, I'm talking with John Barros, and we're going to talk about what home means and how we're always striving to make that place better for us and the people around us. And so, John, it's just a pleasure to have you have you here on the show. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for doing this and connecting people and their stories. Uh, this is a gift. It's a nice gift for us. Well, great. So the gift begins by your going back and answering for me when we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become? Yeah, great question. So when we were in college, uh, like everybody else, young, inquisitive, at Dartmouth, we were in a bubble, but it felt like it was the whole world, right? And so everything was magnified and we were trying hard to be our best selves. And at the same time, didn't know what to expect, right? So Dartmouth was an amazing experience. It was a tough experience for uh, a young black man like me coming from an urban setting and then being in the mountains and, and trying to figure it out, right? Trying to figure out who I was in that setting, trying to figure out who I, who I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to be doing. So I was pretty active at Dartmouth when I was there and you know, was lucky to play different leadership roles, particularly in the Black community as the head of the Black Underground Theater Association or for a short period of time, the editor of the Black Praxis newsletter. I uh, was elected the president of the African-American Society I was uh, you know, invited to be part of Paleopolis, which was a, you know, a senior leadership group to advise administration, working closely with, uh, at that, that time, Dean Pelton. So, and then I was, I was also uh, invited to be part of the, the, the Casket Gauntlet Society, really you know, excited to, to be part of that community. So, so I did a lot at Dartmouth, plugged in, tried to be active, tried to be the best young man I could be to get ready for the world. And where did you think that was going to take you? You know, it wasn't clear. Uh, I was coming out of Dartmouth, both trying to figure out uh, a corporate internship that I had held as part of the Inroads internship program and grad school, right? You know, in my mind, I would work for a couple of years and then maybe go to grad school. So uh, the the corporate job at an insurance company, Chubb Group of Insurance, you know, took me to New York. So from Boston, short stint in Boston and then to New York, spent some time in New York applied to law school. So I was going to, I was heading out to law school, but then got a call to uh, think about applying for an interim executive director position at an organization that I had volunteered at since I was a really young man in my neighborhood. It was a neighborhood improvement organization. And I did that. I applied and was given the interim executive director role. And, and really the idea was to be interim executive director for a short period of time while they look for an executive director and then go to law school. Well, it didn't happen. They hired <laughs> me as a permanent executive director and I stayed there for 13 years doing amazing work. 
building uh, affordable housing, uh, turning empty lots into parks, playgrounds, urban agricultural land. We built a 10,000 square foot greenhouse. We built community, a small business space. We ended up creating the largest urban land trust in America, protecting, mm. protecting homes and parks from uh, further development and protecting a neighborhood from displacement. Shortly into that work, education and schools in the neighborhood became a big part of the conversation, a big part of our planning. And so we, we ended up uh, designing a couple of new schools and working with some schools to uh, re-engage the community around them and, and improve those schools. That took me to the Boston School Committee, where then mayor, the mayor of Boston, Mayor Thomas Menino, appointed me to the school committee. And I did more work with schools at that point, looking you know, over all of the Boston public school system and you know, ushering in uh, new policies for Boston public school. At the, we, we brought in what is called the weighted student formula to Boston, where schools would be, ba- would be funded based on the number of students and a certain set of criteria that have been shown to be social determinants of success. Concentration of poverty, the concentration of English language learners, the concentration of students that had special needs and needed special attention. Uh, We successfully did that. And sometime after serving a few years on the school committee, the mayor decided he wasn't going to run for re-election. I received some calls. It was ambitious at the time, but uh, the energy started to swell around me. And so I jumped in in the race and uh, we had a good conversation. Twelve of us ran for mayor. It was the first time in 20 years we had an open mayoral seat. And so there was a lot of pent up energy. And, and Boston had a great conversation about where we were, who we were, who we wanted to be, where were we headed as a city. It was a diverse group of candidates. And at the end, the person who was elected mayor, Mayor Martin J. Walsh, who today is our Secretary of Labor for Biden, invited me to come in and be his Chief of Economic Development. And uh, I spent the last seven plus years being the Chief of Economic Development for the City of Boston, trying to address you know hundreds of years of inequities, hundreds of years of uh, some of the injustices in our economy that has created uh, a part of the city that is extremely wealthy and, and well-resourced, and another part of the city who is not you know, participating in the city's growth and is left out in a really unjust way. Yeah. So, so much to unpack there. I want to, they're hopping off points to what you're doing or thinking about now, but also want to go back a bit. So you came back home, really home, like an extension of your community um, to Dudley Street Neighborhood Initiative. And you took the full-time job, but were you still thinking yeah, this is, uh, I'm going to do this for a little while. And then like my real life is going to start. Tell me about kind of what you were thinking as a young person and when it really sunk in, like, no, I'm the one that's going to lead this. And we, I see the vision and I'm getting people into this vision. How did that feel to you? No, that's right, Leslie. It, it, it um, you know, I took over as executive director at the age of 26. Right. Um, so young man still thinking that, you know, grad school should be the next move. I put some real seasoned people around me, had a fabulous kitchen cabinet of people like Gus Newport, who, were the, who was the first uh, black mayor of the city of Berkeley in California, Greg Watson, former uh, commissioner of agriculture for the state of Massachusetts and others, right? Just really some seasoned people. And they guided me through. And I had all the support I needed to be a successful executive director, had a successful 13 years. 
uh, during that time, we we won awards, we we won large grants. We were one of the, uh, I believe, 11 originally chosen neighborhoods for a Promise Neighborhoods grant from the U.S. Department of, of Education under the Obama administration, which was a very competitive grant that went to places that successfully articulated a vision for how they would create a system that would support people from birth to career, right? And uh, we were proud to do that work. And and, and I remember at one point, you know, sitting as part of a round table of the, for the Aspen Institute in, in Aspen, Colorado, and having a conversation with a, then the dean of the law school at Georgetown University about, you know, my, my yet still dream of going to law school. And he just kind of looked at me and he said, you know, with the kind of work you're doing, what are you thinking, right? It was like, what do you think about going to law school? The kind of exposure, uh, experience, education you're getting now, you're not going to be able to pay for it in law school. You're not going to be able to get it. Right? <laughs> it doesn't exist, right? And right. So that was, a, that was a, a real turning point for me. And uh, I did get my master's afterwards uh, in public policy. But, you know, I really started to, at that point, I think, in a major way, fully be present in the work that I was doing and took full advantage of the opportunity to serve my community and at the same time grow as a profession, as an individual. Yeah. And probably around that same time, you were kind of putting down personal roots again with your own family and kind of having a life outside. I mean, as an executive director, I know you don't have a life outside, but, you know, other things were happening. Kind of Talk me through your late 30s in Boston. No, that's great. So late, late 30s in Boston, I was both, you know, sort of trying to uh, navigate uh, being executive director of a, of a nonprofit, being on the school committee for the city of Boston and, and trying to start a family. That came together nicely where I married uh, another Dartmouth alum, Chinsia Barrows, and uh, we, we now have a family of four. So there are four amazingly energetic uh, children in our home right now. We're three boys and, and, and finally a girl. I would have kept going. We stayed in the same neighborhood, both grew up in here in, in Roxbury, Dorchester section of Boston. And we're both very, very engaged and, uh, and active in our community. I would say so. But John, I've just got to know, like you were at this organization for 14 years and that that's a long time. So how, was, was it because you knew there was more work to be done? I think, you know, uh, uh, I'd mentioned earlier Gus Newport, who was a mentor, uh, an advisor. And actually, in years before I got to the organization, he was the executive director of GS9. He said to me, hey, John, look, the time frame for real social change takes a long time, right? And I was able to start some projects that other people would pick up, or I was able to do some things. But if you, if you really want to stay in this game and have some change in this neighborhood, then you're going to have to pace yourself. You can't grind it out and try to change everything today. You got to choose some things you can have impact, and then you got to play the long game. Um, and he was right, right. And so, in in, in, in social change is messy. It's not like building a widget and improving on that widget. It's like people and these issues yeah. that are so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Not only they're hard. It, you want to you want to do something about it, right? Yeah. So you want to help. You want to you want to be there. You want to you know now you're going to start a, a process because you know a few people got evicted uh, from their homes and it's real, right? You want to start a new a new project because uh, people lost their jobs, right? And they got laid off, um, and that's a problem. You want to start something new because a couple of businesses shut down and uh, you're trying to figure out how to keep them alive. So so pacing yourself and being realistic about what you can do. Knowing that what you're trying to do, particularly in social change, takes a long time. It takes some sustainability 
um, and is really dynamic. And that in itself is going to change so many times and, and ask for real creativity. You've got to pace yourself. You've got to rest um, in order for you to really, you know, sort of be there for a long, long enough time to, to see some changes happen. Yeah. I think that's hard for some people to think I'm, I'm just, I'm going to make a big impact by the end of this time, but every day is going to feel really small, but small forward is always good. Right? Yeah, no, somebody said to me just not too long ago, John, just make sure you're winning every day. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, make sure you're moving forward. It doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to achieve what your ultimate goals are. But for complex social change and social goals, that journey needs to be, you know, uh, one that is one every day. Right. And sometimes winning that journey every day is your own mental health. Right. Uh, and making sure you're just there for the next day. Right. Or, or there for your four kids. And <laughs> or there for your four kids. Thing, right. Yeah. That's right. No, that's yeah. the truth. So uh, there were foreshadowings of this when you discussed your early run for mayor. You were in that chief economic development role for a number of years, six, seven, something like that, right? But there became more energy, as you put it before. Energy surrounded you again. Talk me through your latest announcement. So uh, having served seven plus years as chief of economic development for the city of Boston, you know, we actually were ready, the Walsh administration was ready to launch a second re-election bid for his third term. And there were rumors surrounding the mayor at the time that, you know, Biden was interested in him being secretary of labor. And uh, I remember the early conversations with him. He made it clear that, that that wasn't really his interest. He wasn't trying to go to D.C. and he wanted to stay in Boston and continue to serve the people. He loved the job, loved the experience and had more to do. I agreed. I agreed. And I was I was fully on board, except one day he received a call from then President-elect Biden as he was trying to assemble his cabinet. And he said after 20 minutes, he couldn't say no to Biden, uh, now President yeah. Biden, um, and, and, and both recognized the opportunity uh, that was presented for him to serve on the cabinet for the United States of America uh, and in, in an area that he had had so much passion around labor and, and a lot of experience. And, and we had done a lot of good work on in, in Boston. And so that news broke and immediately people started to scramble and have conversations about who would step in or who would run for mayor because he was leaving. And, you know, the, uh, the calls began again. And this time after seven plus years of experience running the city, uh, there were different calls. Um, and in fact, they weren't calls of let's go do this because we can help drive change as sort of the young executive running a nonprofit, but it was more of, Hey, you, you should, can, you should take the helm of the city because you have the experience put in the time and you can hit the ground running at a time when the city is really hurting from the COVID pandemic, where we have businesses closing that might not open back up, where we have people losing jobs and trying to figure out their lives. Um, and we have you know huge issues that have been both made raw and obvious and, made, and exaggerated through the COVID pandemic with disparities for particularly brown and black residents here in Boston and, over, and all over the country. Uh, where we now have a movement in the country to reckon with our racist past, uh, racist present, um, and the outcomes that you see and the disparities that you see in all, in all parts of our society, in all sections of our, of our lives. And that's, that's the time we're in. That's the moment we're in. And that's the opportunity we have 
And so for me, I really feel like, you know, I, I need to answer those calls and bring together a team of people that are ready to embrace the moment, meet the moment, and, and make the changes that we need to make as, as part of a city, as part of a state, as part of a country. Yeah. And although with a different set of experiences behind you and all of that that you've learned, you're still going to be grappling with those same questions that the 12 candidates before were like, who are we as Boston? Who do we want to be as Boston? Um, I think I've read that you, you've said recently, Boston is ready to have a black man lead. So how do you, how do you think Boston's going to come up with the answers to those questions? Who do we want to be? How, how will you help you know, lead that discussion on the way to the election? You know, it was interesting in 2013, as I launched my campaign and started talking to Bostonians, I still had an old image of Boston. It was, a, it was an image of Boston where there were neighborhoods I couldn't go to as a young Black man and wouldn't be welcomed, wouldn't be well-received. But in fact, I, w- I was proven wrong. I went to neighborhoods, you know, neighborhoods with, with predominantly you know, white neighbor, neighbors uh, and was well-received. Um, and people wanted to have a conversation about diversity, wanted to have a conversation about who Boston was. Well, that is more the case today. Not only do they want to have the conversation, people want to shed the image of Boston being a racist city. People want to send a different message. They want uh, leadership to represent the diversity of the city. And I continue to hear that uh, everywhere I go. Uh, In fact, for the last 200 years, Boston has only elected a a white male as its mayor. Uh, And it's an opportunity for Boston to elect someone that is more reflective of today's Boston. Um, And send a different message that, in fact, we can uh, have diversity. We can elect a black man, as I said, you know, recently uh, to be mayor of Boston. Yeah. So, John, looking back at the young John who was trying to be the best person he could be in college and and achieving that, certainly at, at a young age. Sometimes, you, did, sometimes I know. I was thinking when you said it first, I was like, well, some of us felt that way sometimes. <laughs> um, but I think thinking back to him, would he see this as, oh, yeah, I can see I can see myself doing that in the future or would uh, I'm, just, I'm getting the, sh- the head shake. Tell me. No, no, yeah, that yeah, was never. Uh, no, the answer, the answer is no. You know, even a uh, young John at Dartmouth, um, believing in all my potential, believing in all I could do or wanted to do. You know, being being a political official, or elected official, wasn't wasn't part of the plan. wasn't part of the the dream, the vision, the the, the pathway. Um, and so, yeah, this is this is different for me. This is a journey uh, that went places that I I didn't expect. I didn't plan for. Uh, part of it was, uh, you know, a taste of the impact and importance of local government when I was appointed to the to the uh, school committee and understanding what you can do and how quickly you can have impact on people's lives. Right. Local government matters in a way that's really important. And you can have impact on the individual family, the individual um, and have impact on your state and really drive uh, regionally and nationally. And so I. I, I you know, uh, caught the bug, if you would, and felt not only that it was a place for impact, but also felt that I was having some impact and could do more uh, when I when I sat when I sat as part of the school committee, um, and then and then when the opportunity came and people started to you know sort of organize around me, uh, you know, I felt like I couldn't turn it turn it down. It's still it's still a little surreal um, as a candidate. It's not there's nothing normal about being a candidate. If <laughs> I've been a candidate for anything. Uh, there is, there is, uh, 
you got to believe in the collective. You got to believe in the cause. You got to believe in the purpose because um, this is all bigger than one individual, right? And if you think you can play a role as a candidate to help move something bigger than you forward, then that gives you the energy to get up every day and do things that you know aren't normal, like call people for you know for money, or call people for support, or call people to help make some phone calls for you, or you know. And so, but because I think we do have a purpose. Uh, as a campaign uh, that is larger and is more important and trying to create a more just and equitable society and um, trying to help neighborhoods revitalize and, and people have better lives. You know, I can do it. I can get up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to give what I can to this cause and, and serve the public in the best way that I can. Yeah. Well, John, it's, I'm always astounded when I talk to our classmates about the kinds of impacts that they're making in their communities and on the stages that they choose. Um, and it just seems as though you have found those communities along the way. And yes, they get bigger, um, but you're really there for the impact. So we're just astounded about the pro- of the progress that you've made, but um, couldn't wouldn't be surprised if we looked back and, and knew who you were. So um, we just wish you all the best. Can't wait to watch as um, this unfolds and um, hope that we can continue hearing from you in the years to come. Thanks. We'll, we'll get back on this right afterwards and we'll either be saying, hey, this is how we want this or here's what we learned while we didn't. <laughs> there are some lessons. We're trying, right? It's all about yeah. giving it a try. The old college try, we should say. Right. Really appreciate it being on with you. That was Boston native John Barrows, previously the executive director of the Dudley Street Neighborhood Initiative for more than a dozen years and the chief of economic development for the city until recently when he made the announcement that he is running to be the next mayor of Boston in November 2021. As John said, it can take a long time to make a big impact, but every day we can make at least a little. Every week, I talk with classmates about the impacts they are making in their communities and beyond. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or at roadstakenshow.com to hear me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, talk to them on the next episodes of Roads Taken.